Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We are in our last week of our series called Resistance. Uh, It's been a three-week series. It's really about the whole idea of resistance. It's about us building up a resistance against the plans of the enemy, against the schemes of the devil, against the attacks of how the devil wants to get into our life. Because the devil, he's a conniver. He thinks of different ways where all of a sudden he slips in and we're not paying attention. And and all of a sudden we see ourselves going down a road that we didn't even realize we were heading down just because the devil. You know, a good plan of attack is one that you're not aware of. Don't, Don't underestimate the enemy. He's, he's planning the direction to grab a hold of our lives. Let me read a couple scriptures. They've been scriptures I've been reading each week just to remind us because sometimes I think we just need to be woken up to the understanding that we do have an enemy, but greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. So even though we have an enemy, we have God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, His Son, who, are, who is working in and through our lives. But Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The enemy is deceptive. Like I said, he's trying to trip you up. And what we need to do is to build up a resistance to come against the enemy. James writes these words in James 4, 7. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I love this scripture because what it tells us to do is to resist the devil. And it's not that we're supposed to flee from the devil, but that the devil will flee from us. Come on. I love that piece right there. I'm not going to be running scared all my life. Now, there's certain things you're supposed to flee from. You can read them in the, in the Bible. Sexual temptations you're supposed to flee from. You're supposed to just like Joseph did. You just get out of there, man, as fast as you can. You flee from those. But there's times where the devil's trying to make us step, take a step back. He's trying to back us up in the corner. And there's times in our lives where we need to stand. Over this three-week series, we've talked about resistance as being a powerful weapon. And I want to share, last week or the first week I shared about building a foundation of, a, of belief is the very first step that we need to take in our life. It's believing that God is real and that his word is true. Last week, I shared about putting on the armor of God, which is, put, which is really, when I say putting on the armor of God, so many, so many times we don't know what that means. What it really means is that we're putting on Christ. It's putting on the image of Christ for our lives. And we, I, I focused on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, where the Apostle Paul describes each one of the armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Today, I want to focus and discuss about the power of prayer. This is going to be our very last part of this series called Resistance. How do we build up a resistance against the plans of the enemy? We talked about building a good, strong foundation, our belief system. We talked about putting on the armor of God. Today, we're going to be talking about prayer. I want you to look at this, the very next verse. We looked at uh, Ephesians 6, chapters 10 through 17. And I purposely, last week, 
did not read verse 18 because I knew verse 18 was going to be my message for this week. And so that's what we're going to focus on is verse 18. And literally, I'm using this scripture as my outline for today's message. Paul writes, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today that your word will penetrate our heart and our mind. I pray they just won't be words that are written on a page. But God, these words will come alive to us by your spirit. That God, they will be life changing for us. That, Lord God, the time that we spend today as a congregation, as a body of believers, loving one another, uh, building relationship, worshiping together, Lord God, that it won't just be wasted, Lord God, at any point of any of that. But, God, as the word is preached, as the word is shared today, I pray, God, it comes alive and it changes us. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is the final thought that Paul shares regarding spiritual warfare. It's part of the resistance, the power of prayer. Even though prayer is not specifically listed as a piece of the armor of God, prayer is how we activate the armor of God over our lives. I'll say that again. Prayer is how we activate the armor of God over our lives. When Jesus faced his temptation into the wilderness, the scripture states that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't come, when he was faced with the devil and his temptations, you can read it for yourself in the Gospels, he didn't face it alone. Jesus, the Son of God, because he was humanity, complete humanity, he did not face it alone. It says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. He faced it with the power of God. He faced the enemy with the presence of God in his life. You should never try to go into a battle without a powerful weapon. God has given us a powerful weapon. It's his presence. It's the armor of God. It's the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. We need to walk into battle. Man, I want everything that is, is afforded to me, I want it in my hand. I want to be ready for that battle. Jesus faced his temptation full of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of the key verses in the Lord's Prayer is this. He says, lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not. That's the Lord's prayer. And when when Jesus was teaching us how to pray, he would say, hey, include this in your prayer. That you know what? Lead me not into temptation, but Lord, keep me from the evil one. The power of prayer is the unseen weapon that 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 will not only give you strength, but it will keep you from temptation. Where does this power come from? It's the Spirit of God. If you're a believer, it's the Spirit of God who's living within you. That's where the power comes from. Paul tells us this in Romans 8, 26. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. James writes, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The Spirit of God helps us resist the temptation of the enemy by either keeping us from that temptation or giving us the power to stand and, and stand strong against the temptation that's coming against us. Our resistance increases as we pray. There's an old acronym that we used to have in our family. In fact, I think Brett was the first one that shared it with us. Push. Pray until something happens. Push. 
Pray until something happens. You know what? When we want to resist the enemy, when the enemy is coming against us, pray, pray, pray. Because when you pray, you are accessing God's power in your life. Let's take a closer look at this verse, verse 18 of Ephesians 6.18. I want to read it to you one more time, and then we're going to step through this here in the next few moments. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Notice the very first statement in this verse that Paul shares with us. He says, pray in the Spirit. The last armor that Paul lists is, if you read through the armor of God, verses 10 through 17, you'll notice the very last armor that Paul, Paul presents is the sword of the Spirit. That's the one he presents. Now the very next sentence, verse 18, all of a sudden Paul tells us to pray in the Spirit. Remember, the sword of the Spirit is really only, is the only offensive weapon that we are giving in the, the, the armor of God. It's the one offensive weapon that we have. And Paul tells us to pray in the Spirit. What does that mean, to pray in the Spirit? And I know that many of you probably have different ideas, but as studying the Scripture, let me share with you what that idea is. Being that in the previous script sentence, Paul's describing the sword of the Spirit, which he describes as the Word of God. I believe it's not praying our words. I believe it's allowing the Holy Spirit, Christ, to pray through us. It is common to think that the Word of God is limited to the written Word that we find in the Bible. And the written Word of God is powerful and it's effective and, and, it, and it's very important. But the thing that we need to realize, when, when Paul is writing here about the sword of the Spirit and he describes it as the Word of God, he doesn't use the Greek word logos in that statement. He uses the Greek word rhema, which is the spoken Word of God. God speaking through his people. It's describing a word spoken by a living voice. So what is Paul describing here? What Paul's describing here is the Spirit of God praying through us. Now for some of you, as I just shared that, you're freaking out right now as you're in this church and you may be your first time here and you go, well, this guy, this pastor, he's talking about the Spirit of God praying through you. But I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture in the Bible of how the Spirit of God can pray in and through your life. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever said something and all of a sudden you're talking to a friend or you're talking to someone. And all of a sudden, when you made the, when you made the statement, when you, when you said something, all of a sudden in your mind you thought, man, that's something that my dad would say. Or, man, that's something, that, that, that sounds like words that my mom would say. And all of a sudden you're totally freaked out because you're thinking you're turning into your parents. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe I said that. But what has happened is because of the amount of time that you have spent with your parents, naturally what takes place in your life, all of a sudden the words that your parents have, the values that your parents have, those things that you've been raised up with, they come back to the surface. And when you spend time in the presence of God, what happens is all of a sudden the words of God, the power of God starts to penetrate in and through your life and God starts to use you in ways that you weren't expecting it. And you're going like, where did that come from? Guess what? It's the Spirit of God speaking through you. Don't freak out. In fact, get excited. Go, yes, God is using me. 
your thoughts and words have been influenced by the time you have spent with God. Now, this analogy about the parents is not perfect, so don't come afterwards and say, Pastor Tom, that analogy was hard. I know it's not perfect, but it just gives you something to kind of grab a hold of. Because we know that in Scripture, the Bible states that it's the Spirit of God that empowers us. Praying in the Spirit means that we are praying not according to our fleshly desires, but according to the Spirit of God that lives within us. It's allowing His Spirit to pray through us. Scripture states that He will guide us into all truth, the Holy Spirit. It's allowing your prayers, catch this, it's allowing your prayers to align up with God's will. So when I'm praying in the Spirit, if I'm truly praying in the Spirit, guess what takes place in my life? I'm not praying out of my own fleshly desires anymore. All of a sudden, I'm allowing the Spirit of God to pray through me His will and His purpose. This is where the shift takes place. This is where all of a sudden, there's a mighty shift that takes place. Where your prayers go from being inactive to active. Some of you guys are old enough. Some of you aren't old enough. Do you remember the old satellites that we used to have when we used to have to get TV receptions? I know that for the younger people, we have no clue what we're talking about probably. But there was a time that we used to have these satellites. You wanted to like cable or TVs or you had, there was not was a cable, a satellite TV. You had this huge satellite. Sometimes it would be the size of that screen in your backyard. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I mean, and I, every once in a while you'll see an old satellite when you go, what is that? That was a TV satellite. And what was interesting was you had your TV on. If that satellite wasn't directed perfectly, you wouldn't get reception. It'd be just out of alignment enough where it'd be foggy. And what happens is when we pray in the Spirit, we're aligning our prayers to God's will. Boom. That's where something happens. That's where change starts to take place in our life, when we align our prayers up to God's will. And why wouldn't we want to do that? Why wouldn't we want God's will to be priority over my will? If God loves me even more than I love myself, and he created me, wouldn't I want God's will to be in command over my will? Just a thought. That wasn't in my notes. That's just free right there. <laughs> Paul writes in Romans that the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Praying in the Spirit is allowing God to have control of your prayers. In fact, if you're praying in the Spirit, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. I've had this happen to me where I'm praying for something. And all of a sudden, man, all of a sudden the Spirit just changes. It just shifts my prayer time. Maybe, maybe you're praying for a financial need in your life, and you're just praying, and, man, you need a financial breakthrough. And then all of a sudden Sally pops into your head, and you know Sally's going through a difficult time because they've, her husband lost uh, his job, and, and there's a difficult situation there. And all of a sudden your prayers shift over to Sally and their financial situation. You start praying for them instead of for yourself. And then all of a sudden you find yourself giving from your need to bless that couple because you know of their need. That's the Spirit of God working in your life. It's the Spirit of God changing your perspective and aligning it to His perfect will. Jesus was prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane when He was facing His crucifixion. 
It was so much stress on his life that the scripture says that he was actually sweating drops of blood. It was weighing so heavy on him what he was going to have to do, taking, taking the sins of the world to the cross. It says that he was burdened down by that. And if you read his prayer, he's basically saying to the Heavenly Father, if there's any way, if there's any possibility that you can take the responsibility that you have given me away from me, if there's another direction that you can do it, but Lord, not my will, your will, thy will be done. See, even Jesus allowed his will to be aligned with the Heavenly Father as he was praying. Jesus taught us to begin our prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Thy will be done. As we, as we learn to allow the Spirit to pray through us, He will accomplish more in our lives than we could ever imagine. He will do greater things than we could ever thought of. Because guess what? Sometimes, I'm going to share this with you, sometimes your will, sometimes your perspective, sometimes your thinking is way smaller than what God is wanting to do in and through you. You... Your finite being is limited to is limiting what God wants to do in you. And because you're holding back because of fear, and that's why faith is so important in our lives as a Christian, as a believer, that we need to step out in faith. Because our circumstances, the things that surround us, the things that we're seeing, looks like, man, this is horrible. How am I ever going to recover from what's taking place in my life? And maybe God wants you to step out in faith and pray his will, because his will is greater than your will. He has a greater purpose. Hannah. Anybody know who Hannah is? She was a powerful woman in the Bible. She was the mother of Samuel. Hannah was a woman that was barren. She couldn't have children. She so desperately, you can read the story in 1 Samuel for yourself. She so desperately wanted to have a child. But no child was taking place year after year after year. She could not get pregnant. One day she's at the temple and she's praying and she's crying out to the Lord. And she's praying in such a way that Eli, the priest, when, when Eli sees her praying, he's thinking that she's drunk, that she's had too much to drink. Because she's, she, her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. He said, well, this woman is drunk. And she explains to Eli, the priest, she says, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm just in anguish, and I'm praying out to my Lord. My desire, I'm praying out to him. What, what, I can't, I, I'm barren, I can't have children. I want to have children. She's crying this out to the Lord. And Eli hears her cry and says, you know what? The Lord has heard your prayers. But in her prayer, there's something interesting that takes place. If you read that story, you will see that in her prayer, she makes a statement to the Lord. If you grant me this request, I will give you my son. I will return him back to you. And you see, in that, at that point, that's when her prayer is answered. Hannah quickly becomes pregnant. The next time she sleeps with her husband, bam, she's pregnant, and she's giving birth to Samuel. And if you continue to read the story, you'll discover that when Samuel is weaned, she brings Samuel as a little toddler 
back into the temple, back with Eli the priest, to be raised in the, in, into, the, into, the, into the presence of God. She, she honored what her request was. She said, God, if you honor this request, I'm going to do this. And she was obedient to it, she said. And scripture states that God blessed her with five more children. But I want to throw something out here. Because I was reading a story. And I was thinking about praying in the spirit. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. And if you read the rest of the story, you will find out that Samuel becomes priest of Israel. Because see, Eli had two sons. But neither one of Eli's sons were good people. They were wicked. They were sleeping with prostitutes and doing all kinds of horrible things. And God says, no, 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 this cannot take place. And see, God foreordained, he knew way beforehand that he was going to need someone else to be the priest of Israel. So he brings Samuel through Hannah, brings Samuel into the temple, and Samuel becomes the next priest of Israel. He's the one that anoints Saul. He's the one that anoints David, and God uses him in mighty ways. And it all happens because all of a sudden, Hannah decides to align her prayers up to the will of God. Much greater than she could have ever imagined. She had no children. Now she has six children. And one of them is the priest of Israel. What happens when all of a sudden, when we want to have a resistance against the temptation because we want it so easily, we want to give in to those things. You know, just a thought, I haven't shared this. Temptation, what is temptation? Temptation is something that's going to tempt you. Temptation is not something that, like, someone can come to me and says, hey, uh, I got some drugs here, I want to, here's a needle. Put, you know what, that's never going to tempt me, because I don't like needles, okay? It's not, I'm not going to put it in my arm. It's not a temptation for me. But maybe someone comes with something else that's tempting to my spirit, that's what temptation is. It's, see, the enemy knows what, he's, what he tempts you by. Hannah is being tempted by the enemy as well. Man, look at you, you're barren. And she's crying out to God, and, but she continues to have faith. She continues to pray through. She never gives up. All of a sudden, boom, she's aligned with God's will, and something happens. The second statement that Paul makes in this verse is this. Pray at all times at every occasion. Praying at every opportunity. It's the idea of taking full advantage of the resources that God has given to us through prayer. It's choosing to live in an environment of prayer. We talk a lot about environments. That's our vision statement here at the church. Creating environments to see what God can do through you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we created an environment... I was praying this morning, and we were praying as a leadership team. There was about probably 30 of us, and we were praying around here, and we were just, we were just praying, anointing over the, 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 anointing over the congregation today. We were praying for you ahead of time. And in my spirit, as I was praying, all of a sudden something hit me in my spirit. Can you imagine if we had a church of prayer? Can you imagine if we took time and we prayed and we pushed through, prayed until something happen. It's choosing to live in an environment of prayer. When we are in need, we pray. When we are tempted, we pray. When we need guidance, we pray. When we are being persecuted, we pray. When we are sick, we pray. When we are blessed, we pray a a prayer of thanksgiving. We pray. 
Paul tells us in Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How did that take place? It took place because you don't supposed to be anxious, you're not supposed to be fearful about anything. But in every situation, what? In every situation, what? In every situation you face, you? And what takes place? The peace of God, which transcends all, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember I talked about the armor of God is like putting on Christ. Doesn't that sound like putting on the helmet of salvation and taking up the shield of faith? And it is initiated as we pray. This is why prayer is so important into our lives. I feel like, and this is just a side note, I feel like including myself at times. I don't preach at you, I preach with you, just FYI. At times in America, one of the reasons that our country is struggling in so many different areas is because the church has lost the gift of prayer. We need to pray. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed before. Because, see, the word of God is powerful. But, man, nothing takes place until you start to pray. Prayer needs to be more than just an occasional vent. It needs to be more than with something we do at the dinner table or before we go to bed at night. Prayer is, prayer is not always easy. Prayer is not always easy. In fact, many people probably prefer to read God's word. They love to study God's word. But you guess what? God's word without prayer is not going to help you. Because I know many people that read the Bible as a literary piece. They know the Bible really well, but they have no power. It's just, a, it's just, it's just words on a paper There's nothing that all of a sudden has been powered because they don't pray. They haven't pushed through. They haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to resonate that word in their life in a way that all of a sudden starts to change their life. Prayer Prayer will empower you and it'll help you resist temptation that comes against you. We need to experience the presence of God. Think about Luke chapter 6, 12. States that Jesus would go to the mountain and pray all night. Jesus would all of a sudden be done with a whole day, I mean, a whole discourse of having to deal with those, those crazy disciples that he chose, you know. And, man, he's having to deal with those situations where they're telling the kids, no, 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 don't bother Jesus. Or he's having, you know, he's, he's, having, he's healing people out there and then he's, he's being persecuted. Every good thing that Jesus does, he gets persecuted by the Pharisees. I mean, he's raising people from the dead. He's healing the blind eyes. He's making deaf. And every good thing he does, all of a sudden the Pharisees and Sadducees are out there and they're, and they're challenging everything he does. And he has to go away. Jesus, the son of God, has to go away up in the mountains, what scripture says, and he prays all night. Now, if Jesus, who is the son of God, has to pray all night, how much more do we need to pray at times in our lives? I believe sometimes 
why things don't happen, why answers don't take place, is we just haven't taken time to pray. The next statement that Paul makes in his verse is stay alert and pray with persistence. In warfare, you better be alert. You better remain alert. You better be persistent in warfare. You must have a determination to win. In spiritual warfare, we need to have that same urgency and determination. We don't give up in battle. We stand in faith. Many times, prayer is forgotten or neglected, especially during times of comfort. I think there's times where the enemy brings in different things to just distract us in areas of comfort, and all of a sudden, guess what? Prayer gets pushed to the side. And we just forget that we have an enemy that's against us. The Bible is, the word of God is true. It says that we have an enemy that's prowling out and lurking for us and trying to figure out a way to make us fall. We become careless and distracted by the many things of the, that are in this world, the priorities, other things. And they're not necessarily bad, but they just take priority over our life. Remember, our prayer, prayer is connection with God. And God should be the number one relationship that we have in our life. It is the Spirit of God who helps us to resist the enemy. We need to pray. It's his presence that will lead you into victory. We need to pray. We need to stay alert and pray with persistence. Listen to this story in Luke chapter 18. It's a story that Jesus shares, and I want to read it to you today. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Interesting how the scripture goes along with my point. Um, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither fe- feared God, this judge, who neither feared God nor cared about the people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, great judge. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision in the end, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Yeah. Hit you just like it hit me. A couple of things I want to point out from Jesus' story is this. First, you can never pray too much. You can never pray too much. We need, to, we need to regain the discipline of prayer in our lives. In fact, what it states in here is that your persistency will gain God's attention. But in this story, Jesus is giving us a contrast between an unjust judge, meaning a crooked judge, and our Heavenly Father. He's making a contrast between the two. If this woman who refused to give up could render a positive verdict from an unjust judge who was annoyed by her constant request, then how much greater effect will our prayers have on a loving God who desires to hear from his people? Do you see the difference? 
If an unjust judge, because he gets so annoyed because the constant requests that are coming, against, coming to him from this woman, and he finally gives a, a just verdict for, on, on her behalf, how much greater will our decision be when God grants us because he loves us and he wants to hear from his people? That's what Jesus is telling the story. The other thought from this story is this statement. How many will he find on earth who have faith? And I was thinking about this. Jesus is not questioning God's faith because God is faithful. That's who he is. There's no way to change that. The concern is how many will remain faithful to God? How many will give in to temptation and be discouraged and give up? As followers of Jesus, we are called to be persistent and determined in our faith to God. We don't give up. We persevere through prayer. We push. We push. We pray until something happens. Amen. That's how you get change in your life. That's how we resist the plans and the enemy of the, uh, that, that make, build a resistance in our life against the plans of the enemy. Yeah. We pray. The last statement that Paul shares with us is this. Pray for other believers. It's interesting that Paul is specific here. Notice that he doesn't tell us to pray for unbelievers. He says, pray for believers. Now, why? Why would, you, why would Paul say that? Pray for believers, not unbelievers. Because, see, when you pray for unbelievers, you need to be praying for their salvation. Because they don't know Christ yet. They need salvation. But Paul is focusing here on believers whose faith is wavering. We should pray for one another, believing in the faith for other believers so that they can resist against the attacks of the enemy, that they can resist against the enemy's plan, that they will not all of a sudden put their foot in a, a trap of some sort that will entrap them, that we should be praying for one another. Amen. Have you ever had someone that has come up to you and they just, and you're going through a difficult time, and you might not have even shared it with them, but somehow they might have heard, and they just come up to you and say, hey, I, and you know it's genuine. It's not just someone saying, oh, I'll pray for you. You know it's genuine. And all of a sudden, they just come up to you and say, man, you know what? I heard what's happening. I'm praying for you. Man, if you need anything, let me know, because I want to be there with you. I want to walk with you through this. Man, there is something powerful when you hear someone that gets into your corner and says, yeah, you're not fighting alone, Tom. Guess what? I heard the battle you're having. You, Tom, I heard you're going through cancer. Guess what? I'm praying with you. I heard you're going through this. Guess what? I'm standing, I'm standing in faith with you. It encourages your spirit. This is what Paul's talking about. He's not leaving one another alone, but we're coming together as a church, as the body of Christ, where we pray for one another, where we love one another, where we serve one another. It's becoming, if you don't want to love people, get out of the body of Christ. Leave the church. I'm just sharing. That's what we're called to do, to love one another. Man, if you come to church every Sunday and you have your specific seat and someone takes your seat and all of a sudden you go, why are you taking my, and you get all grumpy about it and you get all upset, man, someone's sitting in my seat and, and you're looking at this thing and, and you come in and the coffee's cold and you're going, dang, why is the coffee so cold? And why do we only have donut holes? I know they're fasting, but I want the maple bars back because, man, I love maple bars. And you come in with that spirit, leave. 
Because you're not coming to church for the right reason. We are coming to the church as a body of believers. To love one another. To lift one another up. If you're a first-time guest, please come back next Sunday, okay? <laughs> I normally don't preach like this quite this hard. Talk to some of the congregants. Anyhow, because they'll love you. Pastor Tom does it, but they'll love you, okay? No. But see, it has to be more than the coffee or the donuts or the nice screen or the new sound system or the new lights that are being, no, it has to be more. It has to be about the presence of God and loving one another. It has to be about being about one another, serving one another. There's something powerful when we come together because prayer will impact the lives of not only ourselves. See, Paul talks about not just praying for yourself. He says pray for one another. We can stand in the gap and intercede for others who might be struggling in their faith or facing persecution. We should be praying for countries around the world that are being persecuted. Christians are the number one persecuted religion in in, in the world. Most of the martyrs that take place, 80% are Christians. The enemy is out there, I'm telling you. He wants to kill Christianity. We need to fight. We need to pray for our believers around the world. Let's be a church that goes beyond just our own needs. Let's be a church that is about the success of one another. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord God, that your word says that as your word is preached, that it will not return void. That your word is powerful, it's effective. It changes our hearts and our minds. I pray by your spirit, Lord God, you will do a miracle in our lives. As we've been sharing in the area of resistance, as you've been, Lord God, just downloading to me about how do we resist the temptations of the enemy, how do we resist the plans, the attacks that the enemy wants to do against our life. We build a foundation of belief. We put on Christ and we pray. We build a foundation of belief. We put on Christ and we pray. Lord God, I pray that that will come so real to each and every one of us that are here today. That as we go through temptations this week or struggles, maybe for some here, Lord, it's been an ongoing temptation that they give into. They've been battling it, and it keeps overcoming them. I pray today, Lord God, you will give them the power, Lord God, by your Spirit as they pray as they put on Christ to overcome those things in their lives that, Lord God, they know is holding them back. I don't need hands raised. I'm not even going to ask it. But if that's in your heart today, all I want you to do right now is to believe with me because I'm going to say a prayer for you. If you're here today and you know there's certain things in your life that's holding you back from everything that God wants to do in your life, I want to pray for you today. I want you to believe right now in faith. I, want, I don't want you to doubt. I don't want you to think, man, PT, you... I've done this before, but I want you to believe, believe in your heart, and then I want you to be obedient. And I want, it will change your life. Believe with me right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that God, for each person that is struggling in an area of their life, in an area of temptation, in an area of sin, that God, right now, by the power of your spirit, you will set them free in Jesus' name. Set them free 
in Jesus' name. Set them free in Jesus' name. Give them the strength, Lord God, to overcome. Lord God, I pray in the middle of the night you will remind them by your spirit who you are in their life, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, their prayers will no longer just shoot out there in the space and not hit anything. But God, I pray by your spirit you would help them to align their prayers according to your will. I pray, God, that they will push, that they will not give up, that they will be determined, and they will fight. Let us be a resistance, Lord God, against the enemy. Let us be a safe haven in this church, a place where people who are broken and hurting and need you could come and fight your presence. Let us be a place, Lord God, of salvation in Jesus' name. Let us be a place of healing where people are broken in their spirit. They're giving up hope. They're thinking of suicide. Let them find hope here in Jesus' name. Let us be a church that goes beyond these walls and goes beyond human thinking. Let us be a church, Lord God, filled with your presence. God, we take off any limitations on our life. and We take off any limitations on this church. We ask God, you do your work. Your will be done. Your will be done, not ours. Your will be done, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God good? All the time, God is good. God is faithful. Thank you for taking the time over the last three weeks to be a part of the resistance message. Let's do it. Let's not just hear. Like James, I think it's James that says, let's be doers of the word, okay? Let's go out there and do the word. Let's not just hear it. Let's apply it to our lives. Man, you'll make a difference not only in your lives, but in the lives of others. If you have kids, I'll tell you what, right now, what they see in you is going to be modeled. Let it happen. Let them see Christ in you. Watch what will take place in their lives. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.